Midwife Calling. Hello and welcome to Poplar Opinion, a Call the Midwife podcast, where we talk about every episode of Call the Midwife, one by one without spoilers. I'm Jan Moffat. I'm Dr. Paul Moffat, not that kind of doctor, and this week we are talking about the third episode of season six of Call the Midwife, or series six, if you are British like this show is. Uh, This episode was written by Carolyn Bonnyman and directed by James Larkin. This is James Larkin's first episode of Call the Midwife, but it will not be his last, and this is Carolyn Bonnyman's third episode of Call the Midwife. We last saw her in the third episode of season five, which was the episode where a mother has typhoid and it reminds Patsy of growing up in a prison camp. All right. Uh, Before I get into the recap, I've been forgetting to say for the past like three episodes or two episodes, the credits are now in color. Ooh, yes. Quite a change. Quite a change. They've been black and white all along, but it's now like the 60s or whatever and so color color tv we've we have been and will continue in this episode well i mean kind of we have for the whole show but we've been talking about like the technology of the 60s and how modernization is a thing and Mm -hmm. we're seeing it even in the credits with color tv yeah yeah i yeah i can't believe i forgot to mention that all along I think it's this season. Like, frankly, I noticed it this season, and I'm pretty sure this is where it changes. So, very cool. All right. Mature Jenny narrates about movement and travel as we see Mr. Cyril Chen collecting and delivering laundry to various places in Poplar. Sheila begins to show in her pregnancy and must purchase some new clothes. Sister Julianne encourages her to prepare. Sister Ursula accompanies Dr. Turner on a meeting and Barbara visits Lucy Chen with her mother-in-law, who insists on her Chinese traditions. Dr. Turner returns with bad news as they are looking at shutting down the maternity home. The nuns and midwives debate over lunch and come up with a plan of action to help save the home, but Sister Ursula is not really on board. The next morning, she implements a 20-minute time limit on patients, hinting at previous experience about uh, being closed down. When Phyllis complains to Sister Julianne about it, she is told about a cottage hospital being shut down under Sister Ursula's supervision. Lucy places pictures around her home and discovers a bit of baby hair behind one, but Ma, Mrs. Chen, reacts strongly and snatches away the frame. We see a montage of midwives struggling to get to their appointments on time, including Barbara joining Lucy, Cyril, and Mrs. Chen, for an English supper. Sister Monica Joan doesn't show up for dinner, and it's speculated that she misses the TV. When Barbara shows up late, she's admonished for laziness, and later Phyllis, Delia, and Tom reassure her. Lucy goes into labor, and Barbara arrives to help, eventually bringing in Mrs. Chen to help support as she gives birth to a little girl. Mrs. Chen has trouble hiding her feelings, but soon smiles at her granddaughter. The maternity home is overrun, and a pregnant Sheila cannot do all the work. Dr. Turner appeals to Miss Sister Ursula, and she sends Sister Winifred while handing out on call herself. The Turners are snippy with each other under the, as the stress of showing the maternity home at its best. So, I would like to start with the voiceover, and the voiceover is talking this week all about uh, life as a journey, and so I think that... Uh, pretty directly connects to the Chen story, Mm -hmm. uh, to immigration and and traveling to a new place. And uh, I don't, I mean, last week I really talked about how the voice over connected so strongly to the themes of the episode. I feel like in this week is what I have been, uh, what I was, uh, Comparing that to is the voiceover kind of connects to the theme of the episode. Like, it's about life as a journey. We move from youth to maturity. This episode isn't really about maturity, though. I guess sort of. Sort of. 
there's not the strong connection I think that last week was, but there's there's the sense of the Chens and immigration and navigating new traditions and mm-hmm. families coming together with different traditions. What, uh, just to be like really clear, you didn't go into in the recap, but the uh, Lucy's mother was English, her father was Chinese, and he was deported when she was young. So she has not grown up with Chinese traditions. Mm-hmm. And her husband, Cyril, uh, and his mother have grown up with China. Like, his mother has is uh, committed to Chinese traditions, and Cyril grew up with those, and Lucy is doing her best to, like, follow her mother-in-law's expectations, but she's there's a culture clash between Lucy and her mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. I like the part with <clears throat> Lucy saying that she's from Liverpool, like Barbara, and I love Lucy's accent. I don't know what it is about it. It's really <laughs> cute. She's just kind of cute and Barbara's accent is not like hers at all. <laughs> no. It's funny the difference between the two of them. Um, so Cyril and uh, everyone, he and his mother and everything works for a Chinese laundry. Yeah. And so I looked a little bit into like what is the deal with Chinese laundry and it being a thing like Chinese di- dry cleaners, Chinese laundry um basically it comes down to willing to do the dirty work yeah that white people were like here you can do the you can do our laundry type of thing and so then from there making a niche for themselves become it becoming you know a thing but it's so funny i mean uh on one hand the like very simple story of like immigrants who uh, don't have social power or capital who have to do the work that they can find and the work that they can find is work that they uh, that other people don't want mm-hmm. like that's a extremely common story it's also so interesting how people and groups of people find niches mm-hmm. that like why laundry rather than any other job because. Yeah, just <laughs> because, because they started to, and then they knew up each other and got into, you know, like... Yeah, exactly. Because someone started to, mm-hmm. and then someone else was someone's friend or cousin or nephew or friend's friend's friend and got a job in the same industry, and that just, like, spread yeah. not throughout the UK, but the world. Yeah, Like, exactly. Chinese laundries are also a thing in North America. Absolutely. It's like, there's not something like some particular, like, oh, uh, there's a Chinese tradition that means they're good at laundry. No, it just, like, it it would be interesting, and I wish that I could have time to chase down the origin of uh, the concept of a Chinese laundry, but uh, that would uh, go on forever. (laughs) It's like the stereotype of a Vietnamese nail salon. Yeah, exactly. But, like, why nail salons? No reason. Yeah, arbitrarily. Exactly. Arbitrarily. <laughs> um. Anyway, so that's the Chens. I looked that. I. I'm glad you mentioned this because I looked that up a little bit too. Mm-hmm. But the, let's keep talking about the Chens a little bit because the like two things going on with them are like there are our family of the week. Lucy is our mother of the week, and she's uh. There's this tension between her and her family traditions and Cyril and his family traditions and Cyril's mother is living with them and that what she wants, what uh, Ma, Mrs. Chen, I don't think we ever hear her first name. No, but it's only ever Mrs. Chen. Miss, what Mrs. Chen wants for Lucy is to lie in bed for a month after giving birth because that's a Chinese tradition and Lucy is like, I'll do it. Uh, and, you know, she's she's... Fairly good-natured, but also like, this is not my tradition. And so there's this little bit of tension going on. And then there's also something that by the end of the episode we'll have all the answers to. But at this point, it's like two oddnesses in Mrs. Chen's behavior. And the one is where she finds, Lucy finds hair uh, behind a picture and assumes that it's Cyril's baby hair. Mm -hmm. And the way that Mrs. Chen reacts makes it clear I think, to viewers that this is not Cyril's baby hair. Mm -hmm. And then when uh, 
the baby is born who I don't think is named yet at this point, but is Lynn. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lynn is born and is a girl and Mrs. Chen clearly is unhappy. Mm-hmm. And we're meant, I think, to think that this is sexism. That like, oh, I wanted a boy. Although she does snap out of that sad face when Lucy actually asks, like, did you wish for a boy? But Mm -hmm. I think even without knowing, like, no spoilers for the episode. This is something we, you know, have seen the whole episode by the time we're talking. So we know that this is, like, trauma, not uh, sexism, that she is uh, upset that it's a girl. But even before we've got to the end of the episode and seen the answers, I like watching this. I'm like, there's... You know, this is something personal. Mm -hmm. Uh, A girl is, like, causing her flashbacks. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You also mentioned... Sorry, do you want to say something? I like that uh, Lucy and Mrs. Chen have this tension, and it gets more and more as we go through the episode, but it's never... um, it's never fully unwarranted tension, and it's mm-hmm. always with affection. Yeah. Like, she doesn't despise her mother-in-law at all. She respects her. She struggles with her. Yeah. And struggles with the situation that they're in, and wants to do the traditions, and wants to, like... I mean, clearly she's married to Cyril, and so... Which, like, side note, Cyril just, like smiley guy i mean until lynn is sick but just like barely talk even <laughs> like even when the big drama later in the episode like cyril might as well not exist yeah. as a character that's fine yeah he's, he's he represents all of those husbands that are just like quietly there <laughs> but yeah like i said there's there's a respect between the two of them or rather, there's a respect from Lucy to Mrs. Chen mm. and uh, affection there. It just is complicated, much like real life is. Yeah, I totally... I'm glad you said that, and I totally see the same thing. That she's not, like... Her attitude towards the following Mrs. Chen's tradition and staying in bed for a month is, like... It's not my tradition, and it's a little weird, and I don't know what I'm going to do. But I'm willing to do it. And, like, not just begrudgingly. I'm actually willing to do it. Uh, And you said she tries to make an English uh, meal. She does make an English... Like, she makes an English meal properly, right? It's the Chinese meals that she she struggles with. She makes toad in a hole, but Mrs. Chen doesn't like it, because she assumes it's actually toad. I... She makes it, she does, it's not necessarily a good, like, even if it's a good English, it's not a good English meal either. Like. I don't know. I think Barbara is like, oh, you did a good job. I don't know. I felt like, I feel like she's not a great cook, period. English or Chinese. Maybe. I don't, like, uh, doesn't look like how I would make Toad in the Hole, but also I'm not English. But in any case, uh. Mrs. Chen does not know what Toad in the Hole is and assumes that she is being served Toad. Yeah, which fair. I would not eat Toad either. (laughs) Uh, But it's another example of, like, there's a bit of hurt feelings when she's like, you're always criticizing my Chinese cooking, so I thought I'd cook you something English. There's a bit of, like, you're always criticizing me. But there's also, like, I genuinely want to cook something that maybe you'll like. Mm -hmm. Like, she's, I think, it's... Largely in the performance is like, I like and respect you even when you're critical of me. Is there a relationship? All right, let's move on from the Chens a bit to the other couple of plots in this episode. The main one being Sister Ursula continuing to be the worst. Uh, This is the episode where we get why. Yeah. I don't. I mean, we'll talk about it more to the end, but, like, does it redeem her? Um, but this is, they're thinking of shutting down the maternity home. And this is a theme throughout this entire show, is can Nanatus, can midwives survive? Because in the real world, in the, I mean, in the current world, women go to the hospital to have babies. There are 
there are definitely women who have babies at home, but they are very much in the minority. Mm-hmm. But this is a situation where they want uh, women to either go to the hospital or be at home. There is no in-between. And the maternity home is this in-between place that they think, eh, doesn't need to be there. And we'll talk more about the maternity home in, like, the next section where it's actually under scrutiny. But this is not, yeah, not the first time that the maternity home has been under scrutiny and it won't be the last. It's not the first time Nanata's house is under scrutiny and it won't be the last. Um, Sister Ursula... I mean, is she redeemed? We'll talk about it at the end of the episode, as she said. But she's, like, definitely softened Mm -hmm. in this episode. She starts off, though, uh, just, like, deciding she's going to sit in on a meeting that Dr. Turner is going to. She doesn't ask if she can sit in. She doesn't, uh, she just, like, shows up at Dr. Turner's, uh, at the the, uh, Maternity home. maternity home in the waiting room. And it's like, you're going to bring me with me. You're going to give me a ride. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It is uh, typical of what we see of her by the end of the episode that, like, even well-meaning, she is severe and uh, um, presumptuous. Yes, absolutely. Presumptuous is the right word. Uh, But then they come back and they want to shut down the maternity home. Sister Ursula approves of wanting to shut down the ner- the maternity home or, like, mm-hmm. doesn't disapprove. Yeah. Okay? Uh, it's a push towards hospital births. It's a push towards modernization. Um, and when they all are talking around the table of, like, we go- we're going to pull together and try to get show the maternity home is great and, like, work on it, whatever... Uh, Sister Ursula says, the maternity home cannot be our principal concern. We, too, are under scrutiny. Mm-hmm. And this is the first glimpse that something is going on with Sister Ursula behind the scenes. Yeah, exactly. And we get, like, a little shot of, even before Phyllis talks to Sister Julianne, we get a little shot of her, like, frazzled and looking at the papers and, like, upset, mm-hmm. looking like things are doomed is her facial expression. And uh, she also has the line around here, sadly, I have personal experience with what happens to institutions that are not deemed efficient. Mm-hmm. So we know, I think, even before Sister Julianne tells us the full story, we start to see that, like, she is despite how she has seemed so far well-intentioned. Yes. She wants it to be efficient, not because she, uh, uh, in the abstract, idealizes efficiency for its own sake, but because she believes that uh, making Nanada's house efficient will uh, safeguard its existence. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I love, too, though, uh, in the uh, sister... Winifred story here and she's like go out for 20 minutes we're understaffed and sister uh Winifred says uh perhaps you could come out with us sister and Phyllis behind sister Ursula's back like shakes her head it's no so... no 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 I know I saw that too like sister Winifred just with her like always with her optimism and Phyllis just like no please no don't say that I loved that shot. That was well done. <laughs> but the upshot of all of this is Sister Ursula imposes a 20-minute mm-hmm. limit per, per visit. visit. And she says over and over, like, 20 minutes is ample time. And all the experienced midwives, all the experienced district midwives say, no, it's no, not. No, it's not. Maybe it is in hospital, but in district we cannot do it in 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then we have a little montage of them being unable to do it in 20 minutes. Yeah. And I love Phyllis bringing a little sandwich out from under her cape <laughs> and like trying to eat on the run. <laughs> Which is not, I feel like not the first time we've seen that happening. Yeah. But yeah, there's like, we can't do this. Tra la la la. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, and of course, because of that, there's going to be consequences because in order to fit this into a hour long show that 20 minute uh has to have dire con- 20 minute uh 
appointment system needs to have dire consequences in order for it to end because Sister Ursula will not, despite them all saying it repeatedly, despite Barbara coming in late because she couldn't do it all in 20 minutes, it doesn't sink into Sister Ursula that it could possibly be changed. Yeah, she, she, oh, when, so Barbara comes in late because she has her tea with the Chens instead of going home and having it at Nanata's house. Mm -hmm. So she's late for tea at Nanata's house because of that toad in the hole. And I think that's what the, like, expression on Barbara's face is, uh, that she's like, you're making me stay and I have to go, but I can't, it would be so rude for me to leave. Yeah, that's true. Um, and when Barbara comes back, Sister Ursula says, Nanata's house will not carry slackers. Oof. And Ed, like gasps from everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Gasps from the audience. How dare you say that to Barbara? And like, for her not to like immediately break down in tears shows how much Barbara has grown. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> because like... Barbara of a year ago would have immediately just broken down and it's and of course everyone like comes to her immediately afterwards like it's okay it's okay you're not nothing wrong with what you did you know you're not a slacker you're not a slacker so like it's the uh continuation of what we saw last episode with her being like consequences for Patsy and her not learning from that no exactly and at this point in the episode we the audience have heard sister julianne's uh telling phyllis the backstory that sister ursula was matron at the ordered cottage hospital when it was closed for inefficient practices and she blamed herself Mm -hmm. so she uh clearly is seeing nanada's house as like a second chance for her to be efficient and and be a good manager yeah but she's being a bad manager again. Very bad manager. Like, it's not just personal villainy. It's like, you are still a bad manager. Mm-hmm. In your task as managing this, you are making them less efficient, not more. You're making them less effective, not more. And this is even before we have, like, as you said, it's pretty clearly foreshadowing that something worse is going to happen because of how TV works. Uh and we know, by the end of the episode, we know that something worse does happen. But mm-hmm. uh, even before something worse happens, like, demotivating your staff the way that you are is bad management. Mm-hmm. It's not making them more efficient. It's not do, uh, doing the task that they need to be doing. And we see that with the district midwives, with Barbara and the and Phyllis and uh, Sister Winifred out on their... Uh, rounds we also see that the maternity home is overwhelmed and understaffed because uh sister ursula isn't sparing anyone to go help at the maternity home we see little flashes of uh sheila being overworked um and maybe we'll back up and talk about sheila a little bit before we move on but patrick comes to appeal to sister ursula and he says you know even if i cannot appeal to your compassion you must know as a professional yeah and that an like elderly prima gravida which means she is over the age of 35 on her first pregnancy yeah that the sister ursula reacts to like the order of Nanata's house is all compassion. But that mo- that exchange, it is, uh, like, I can't believe that uh, Sister Ursula isn't more chastened by that exchange. Mm-hmm. Not I all. cannot appeal to your compassion. <laughs> yeah. You've demonstrated again and again that you are not willing to act based on compassion. And you may have good, you know, we, be, we the audience now know she has... Uh, good intentions but she's not willing to be moved by compassion and that's her exchange with patrick and she's like i can't spare anyone even if i you know i'm all compassion but we only have the number of people we have and there's no one who can help except me and i'm not going to (laughs) Mm -hmm. is um 
true that they are short right now, staffed. Like, yes. Patsy is gone. Trixie's not back yet. Although she is by the end of the episode. Trixie's not back yet. They're... Pa- Sister Mary uh, Cynthia is gone. Sister Mary Cynthia is gone. Like, they're like, they really are needing a new, more staff at this moment. And now yes. Sheila's going to be off very soon. Um, the part I wanted to just mention for a second before we move on is uh, the Turners in, in their home and... <laughs> Patrick is swearing at his <laughs> typewriter, and Sheila is is letting out the seams of her dress, and he's like, "You're just sewing," and he, she's like, "I am letting out the seams so I can look better." Like she's like, <laughs> "I just love that that moment of they get mad at each other, and then they move on and forgive each other, which is like it's just very married life. Of like yeah, I really you're like doing it. something that's irrelevant, and like I'm doing something that's super relevant." <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're busy mending your dress. <laughs> it's not a dress, it's my uniform. And I'm not mending, I'm letting out the seams so I can look decent when we have our inspection. <laughs> yeah. Um, she... Right, we... Yeah. Move on? Yes. Go ahead. All right, so Mrs. Chen dotes on her granddaughter, Lynn, and gets upset about any drafts in the room. When Barbara comes to check, she finds Lucy with a headache and Mrs. Chen still worried about warmth. Barbara pours away the fish soup and opens a window, but has to leave quicker than she wants without doing all the checks on baby Lynn. In the maternity home, the moms in the beds figure out about Sheila to the joy of everyone. (laughs) Lucy is upset about the heat in the room and gets angry with Mrs. Chen, leading to an argument and hurt feelings all around. The inspector, Mr. Greenwood, shows up and makes a comment about the amount of beds. Lucy wakes to find that Lynn is not moving, but is still breathing. Mrs. Chen runs her to the maternity home, arriving just as the inspector is there. Lucy follows and is ill herself. Dr. Turner realizes it's carbon monoxide poisoning and all are sent to the hospital. Sheila reassures Barbara, but it's the 20-minute appointments that are to blame. The doc- Dr. Turner explains to the inspector about the need for the maternity home, and he's much more receptive, having just seen it demonstrated. Meanwhile, Sheila discovers she is bleeding and calls Phyllis to drive her to the hospital. As Phyllis leaves, Trixie arrives and is put immediately to work. <laughs> she notices the changes in the main office, but doesn't know about Sister Ursula yet. So I feel like one of the things to kind of say about this episode is the various plots are intertwined more strongly than they often are in Mm -hmm. Call the Midwife. So I think we, I tend to want to do the minor plots first and the major plot last, but I think we need to talk about the Chens first because we can't really talk about the inspection without talking about the Chens and we can't really talk about Trixie without talking about the Chens. Like, it's all intertwined. it's all intertwined. So, we see here, we still don't at this point know the whole backstory from Mrs. Chen, but we see more of, like, she is fixated on keeping baby Lin warm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Blankets, even when it's warm in the room, the heat is always going. Barbara's like, I think the baby doesn't need a blanket. And uh, Mrs. Chen is, like, offended and upset, and her, like... Gotta keep her warm, gotta keep her warm, gotta keep her warm. Mm-hmm. Um, She's not the first mother we've seen like this. No. We've seen other uh, other parents who, like, are the baby's wrapped in so many clothes that, like, maybe this is the problem with the baby. <laughs> I mean, frankly, we've seen it in real life. That, uh, that too. You, like... Actually, my sister, uh, not to the point of harming anyone, but, like... She was always very, like, fixated on her baby being warm enough and, Mm -hmm. like, coats. And I'm always worried she's going to be cold. Mm. Like, it's, yeah. I I know old people are always like, why is that baby not wearing socks? Because it's August. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, like, specifically fixated on keeping the baby warm and on keeping, uh... Lucy warm, mm-hmm. and, like, the big fight between Lucy and Mrs. Chen that is, like, 
it's easy to be on Lucy's side. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because the room is stifling, she has a headache, her mother-in-law is, like, very interfery from her perspective. And she's like, I just want to, like, I, I stink, I can't wash properly. She can't leave the bed, she stinks, she's sweaty, she's headachey, she's hot, the baby won't, is like, I like any new baby, is keeping her awake, uh... Barbara says, mothers often feel down in the dumps a few days after birth. It'll pass. But uh, Lucy feels oppressed and the environment is oppressive. Physically oppressive due to the heat and to, like, her mother-in-law bringing her fish soup every ten minutes. (laughs) It's good for milk. You gotta drink the fish soup. And I can just, like, in a hot, sweltering, stinky, can't-shower bed fish soup. Is, I can just imagine. Yeah, exactly. As someone who like likes fish soup, yeah. that still sounds like, oh no, 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 thank you. <laughs> but then also, I think we do a quite a good job of trauma side showing Mrs. Chen is just like, she's looking out for the best of Lin and Lucy. She's bringing her soup to like mm-hmm. keep her healthy she wants her to be warm she wants her to be rested the like staying in bed is a tradition but it's not meant to be like an oppressive tradition yeah it's meant to be a like you get to stay with your baby and rest and be taken care of and lucy is so resistant to it it's offensive and like i'm not doing this to torture you i'm doing this for your good to help you and support you mm-hmm. and you don't appreciate it or me and the big fight blows up with like you're so spoiled and ungrateful and you uh don't know what hard is yeah you have no sense of what hardship is I'm you're like, lying oh. in bed for a month this is your hardship you have no idea what mm-hmm. hard is yeah uh and I like how this is played, that it it's easy to empathize with both of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, despite this fight, like, once again, the person that Lucy is going to go to, the second that Lynn's not moving is she's yelling out for Ma. She's not calling for Cyril. Mm-hmm. She's calling out for Mrs. Chen because she's the mother figure who's, like, we don't know where Lucy's mother is, but, like, this is the mother figure that she has to go to and so despite a big blow up and like lucy feeling hard done by she's still going to go to her and still going in like you need to make this better you know yeah which i like that it's just very nuanced this whole yeah the whole interaction between lucy and mrs chen and everything there is very nuanced and i enjoy it so much this is yeah good episode especially if you contrast it to like the last mother daughter relationship we saw was the first episode of this season oh. where the mother was the worst person yeah <laughs> siding on their abusive son-in-law so, um, um, yeah that was yeah exactly so barbara comes and checks in and sympathizes with lucy but uh you know throws out the soup and but Lucy's main complaint, she, like, has a headache and is stifled and stuck, but her main complaint to Barbara is that she's exhausted and the Mm -hmm. baby is finally sleeping and that Barbara doesn't wake the baby up to check on her, uh, but has to leave. Yeah. And the position that Barbara's put in because of the 20-minute time limit is, like, do I wake up a sleeping baby with a, like... Exhausted Exhausted mother... Or do I leave without doing all the checks? Uh, even if I'm going to do all the... Like, even if I'm going to wake up the baby, I don't really have time. Mm-hmm. She certainly doesn't have time to wait for the baby to wake up. And so she leaves without uh, checking. And, you know, because we know how story structure works, we know even before it happens that this is not going to go well. Mm-hmm. There's an ominous shot of the heater. Yeah. Uh, and sure enough... Uh, a little bit later, Lucy notices that uh, Lynn isn't moving. Mm-hmm. There's the shot of uh, Lucy running through the street barefoot in her nightgown. Yeah. is like really uh, affecting. I like to, the like Mrs. Chen grabs Lynn and takes her straight to the maternity home. 
and Lucy's following behind but can't go as fast because she's just given birth. Yeah, and she's and, barefoot. <clears throat> and she's barefoot. Like. Yeah. Yeah. And Lynn, oh, and what uh, Mrs. Chen does when she gets baby Lynn, she gets a mirror, hey? Mm-hmm. Immediately a mirror by the face to show the breasts yeah. so she can see that uh, Lynn is alive. I really like that 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 she knows to do that, that that is, really is a thing. Yeah. The one thing, like, uh, she's complaining of a headache, a thumping headache. And in previous episodes and in, like, other things, a headache... Post births can sometimes mean preeclampsia. Hmm. So I was like, "Why do they not realize that that Barbara didn't have any kind of reaction to her having a headache?" But then it is later on in the episode. She's like, "She had a headache, but she didn't have a fever or other things." So I guess like she, she didn't did check, check her. It just like set up red flags for me that like, why are you ignoring the fact that she keeps saying she has a headache? Hmm. <laughs> we got it. I think we just have to assume that uh, Barbara has paid attention to other things and ruled out preeclampsia. Yeah, that's right. Um, so they burst in to the maternity home. Lynn burst, I mean, uh, Mrs. Chen, carrying Lynn, bursts into the maternity home and Dr. Turner, like, breaks off the tour to take care of baby Lynn, mm-hmm. successfully diagnoses uh, carbon monoxide poisoning and sends them to the hospital in an ambulance. Um, his reaction to the emergency impresses uh mr greenwood the inspector mm-hmm. who we'll talk about in a sec but then uh we know the like the fact that it's carbon monoxide poisoning means that like indirectly but like it is the heat yeah oh absolutely it was the heater yeah so that like the the thing that Mrs. Chen was doing to try to keep Lin safe is exactly what put Lin in danger. Yeah, exactly. Um, Dave, do you have anything else to say about the Chens in this section? No. We should move on to Sheila. Yeah. Who, uh, finds that she's bleeding in there for, and in a very Sheila way, she, like, takes care of it herself. She, like, calls Phyllis and is like, I need to go to the hospital. You need to take me there. We're not disturbing my husband. Mm-hmm. But by the time Phyllis gets there, of course, she's told Patrick, and Patrick is like, uh, yeah, I'm going with you. <laughs> yeah. Obviously. So Phyllis is left to finish up the inspection, and I really like what she says about, uh, you know, we have a close relationship. I was here to step in because he had a medical emergency. She doesn't elaborate that the medical emergency was literally his wife, mm-hmm. which I like too. I think that's a really seamless uh, transition there. Yeah. Do you want to talk a bit about the inspection? And like, because, I mean, you ended your uh, recap before the hospital with Sheila, right? Yeah. So, we'll talk more about Sheila and what exactly all that means, I think, when we're in the hospital, hey? Mm. But, like, the inspection, uh, Mr. Greenwood comes and, uh, Patrick is visibly nervous about the, like, inspection. And he tries to, they talked about putting together all the data to, like, show them in black and white how useful they are. And he tries to give Mr. Greenwood this, like, report. And Mr. Greenwood's like, I can write my own report. Thank you very much. Yes. Oh, this is the thing Patrick was typing up and swearing at his (laughs) typewriter for. And he doesn't even want it. And the, like, all the thing. it's the thing that happens that you can really see coming and uh, feels so true that, like, everything that Patrick wants to do to impress the inspector has the opposite effect. Mm -hmm. That, like, we're really good, we do all this stuff, we're very uh, conscientious, and the inspector says, quite a lot lot of infrastructure for four beds. Mm -hmm. And Patrick's face visibly falls. Yeah, exactly. Four beds. He can be absorbed into a hospital and they won't even notice. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's the Chen baby, it's Lin coming in that really changes Mr. Greenwood's mind. Yeah. And she comes in and even before we know anything from Mr. Greenwood about his conclusions, we can see that, like, 
the fact that uh, Lynn had the maternity home. I keep saying Lynn as the mother. Uh, the fact that Mrs. Chen had the maternity home to run to and that Dr. Turner responded so quickly and well, mm-hmm. like, impresses Mr. Greenwood and uh, has, you know, is the best possible effect on the report. Yeah, exactly. Unlike the inspector, unlike Sister Ursula last episode, isn't like, she should be going to the hospital, or two episodes ago. she He's like, oh, I guess that they come here when there's an emergency. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he has, you know... um we see a lot less of him and have a lot less of his backstory, but like, yeah, Sister Ursula, take a lesson to like management and efficiency, but without being cruel about it. Exactly. Uh, the actor who plays Mr. Greenwood, by the way, is from Downton Abbey, and I can't oh, see him as that. <laughs> I knew he was familiar. I couldn't place him. He's a quite different character. Very different character. He's, yeah, he's the... He's a real sniveller in Downton Abbey. Yes, yes, exactly. (laughs) I just had to call that out for a second because I saw him and he was like, I can't even remember his name in Downton Abbey, but yeah. Do we want to talk about his reaction to Phyllis or is that in the next section? Um, it is in the next section. Okay. So let's continue. So then the only other thing in this section is just that Trixie is yeah, back. Trixie Poor Trixie. She's like, I'm back. And Phyllis is like, I'm out of here. <laughs> Man You're the manning phones. the phones. <laughs> um, I trust yeah. you had a pleasant voyage. I'm afraid I need you to man the phone. And she leaves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But Trixie, but yeah, Trixie looks around and is like, um, why is Sister Julian's office like that? And what is going on here? Where's yeah. Path? Where's my roommate? Is yeah. Gone. You know, Everything's different for Trixie. Yeah. And the Nanada's house is very abandoned for Trixie. Yeah. No one is there. Yeah. All right. So moving on. The inspector breaks the news that the maternity home may stay open for now, but will likely close within 10 years. Lucy, Cyril, and Mrs. Chen wait for Lynn to wake up. Sheila is kept at the hospital for bed rest with worries about a miscarriage. Mrs. Chen finally shares her story of giving birth in the rain and losing her infant to the cold. The hair from earlier, of course, belonged to her. Sister Ursula returns and Phyllis tells her frankly about baby Lynn. Barbara meets Trixie in her room and tearfully fills her in on what's been happening at Nanatis. Sister Ursula comes to see Barbara and apologize. I'll start from Sister Julianne follows Sister Monica Joan on the street to find that she is watching TV through a window in the pub. They sit and watch together. The nuns and midwives gather to celebrate Trixie's return, but Sister Ursula is in the chapel fasting. Sister Julianne goes to talk to her and finds her distressed over her choices and failures. The next day, Lynn finally awakes under the watchful eyes of Lucy, Cyril, and Mrs. Chen. Sister Julianne reports this to Sister Ursula, but she has decided to return to the mother house. In her last moment, Sister Monica Joan gifts her with an iced bun to stop the vanity of too much penitence, and Phyllis drives her to the station. Trixie comes to talk to Sister Sister Julianne and reveals that she visited the mother house to find that Sister Mary Cynthia was not there. Mature Jenny narrates about us traveling to each other's countries, as we see an upset Sheila and a happy Chen family. This episode, like, just to jump ahead for a second, this episode kind of ends on a couple of cliffhangers, which is rare for this show. Yeah, the specifically Sister Mary Cynthia cliffhanger, um, which we'll get back to. Mm-hmm. I don't want to jump to it no, yet. That's not because to, I just had to. Let's okay. talk about the inspection. Yeah. The ending, the wrapping up of the inspection that uh, when Phyllis uh, fills in for Dr. Turner, she says, you know, I'm able to step in. And then she asks Mr. Greenwood, like, would it be possible to ask about the results of this inspection? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and he gives basically the best possible uh, result under the circumstances, Mm -hmm. but is frank about the circumstances. He says, like, this place is good, efficiently run, and clearly a help, but none of these small places will be here in ten years' time. Yeah, exactly. And that 
by the way, is historically true. Yeah. I I think I this is the place where I want to talk about it, is it's so interesting the way things come back around again. Because mm. in this time, uh, we have the three places to give birth. We have in the home, we have in this kind of maternity home that's not too medicalized, and then we have the hospital. And for a long time, that second place, the maternity home idea, just went away. And I don't know, everywhere in the world, different places, different things, but that third place went away. And it was certainly nothing like it in Newfoundland where we live. Exactly. And home went away as well. It was, you know, some people still give birth at home, but it was a rarity. And in recent years, in like the 2020s, the 2010s, we've had this resurgence of both home births have gone up again, but also birthing centers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just before we left uh, Winnipeg, where we used to live, a birthing center opened up that is a place exactly like this maternity home where women come and give birth, but it's not a hospital situation. It's not worst case scenario situation. And Mm. they can be transferred easily to that hospital, but they have a place to give birth that is just about giving birth and just about, and not to, and doesn't come in contact with like any sick people or any, you know, and less interventions. And so we've come back around to that other place again. And I like, like, or we're starting to, we're starting to, and I know, like, in the town we live in right now, there isn't a birthing center. So... But who knows 10 years from now? Exactly. Who knows what kinds of things will come up again in this. So, like, them getting rid of the maternity home, you know, as we're watching Call the Midwife, we're like, please don't get rid of this thing because we <laughs> love our characters and we love our... And we love things and and we love the people there. But also, they will come back again. That idea will be in like in London will reemerge. It, and it I isn't think, just a net bad. I think basically it's not a coin. Not basically, I think it's not a coincidence that a show like Call the Midwife becomes popular, romanticizing midwife delivery at a time when midwife delivery and home delivery and birthing ho- uh, centers are starting to get more. Uh, traction again. Yes, like absolutely. I don't think that birthing centers become popular because of Call the Midwife, but I think that Call the Midwife becomes popular because I think that it, it it's not a cause and effect. Mm-hmm. I think that a show like Call the Midwife becomes super popular uh, at the same time that the prospect of home births is losing stigma and gaining like mainstream approval again like it doesn't happen like because the move back towards home births again kind of starts as early as the 90s really Mm -hmm. it's just a slow swing but like it's not a coincidence that this show happens to be on while this is gaining more uh popular traction that's true uh and it's like one of the missions, I mean, we say over and over, one of the uh, worldview missions of the show is about uh, whole care. Yeah. And like the the uh, ideological bases of the show are like the NHS is wonderful. <laughs> we praise the NHS. <laughs> and home care, district care uh, is good. Yeah. And is better. And hospitals are important when necessary. But like. That I think is a. uh, Yeah. Absolutely. So Sheila is taken to the hospital. And they say that. She needs bed rest. There is danger of her having a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. Uh, This does not get resolved. In this episode. Uh, she's just in the hospital for the rest of the episode. You said the episode ends on cliffhangers, and this is one of them. Yeah, it's just, we don't know if if Sheila's going to be okay. The last we hear from her and Patrick is, like, pretty early in this third of the episode. Like, Mm -hmm. you mentioned it in your first 
couple of sentences and that's it. Like that uh, represents the last time we see them in the episode yeah. is uh, in the hospital. She's in bed rest. The, she has stopped bleeding and the doctor talks to Patrick and says like, you know what this means because you're a doctor. And he's like, yes, I do. And the uh, doctor there says it never makes it any easier when family are concerned. And then that's it for us. Yeah, exactly. Um, we do hear now uh, Mrs. Chen's story. Yes. Um, did you think of the Joy Luck Club? <laughs> I have. My note at the bottom is the story with Mrs. Chen is a little call the midwife does the Joy Luck Club. <laughs> the... I mean, the specifics are a little different. The whole, their whole episode, like their whole story, Lucy and Mrs. Chen, I think it's, I think it's impossible to imagine that it wasn't inspired by the Joy Luck Club because Mm -hmm. it's like two generations of Chinese women uh, who don't understand each other, who have their own stories, who are like trying to understand each other. They're not mother and daughter, they're mother-in-law. Let's just, like, twist it a little. And then uh, Mrs. Chen's story of, like, while walking in the rain, my baby is sick. It's, like, so uh, one of the... I can't remember the four uh, older women in the Joy Luck Club, uh, who is who, and their names... (laughs) Uh, but one of them has twins and she is, it's the mother, um, who isn't there. The mother who's died before the movie starts. Mm -hmm. She had twins and, uh, had to abandon them on the side of the road. And so the story that Mrs. Chen tells is not the same story, but it is like walking along with a baby and then tragedy. Uh, it's very similar, I think. Mm -hmm. It is hard to imagine that it isn't directly inspired by. That said, you know, it was clear that there was some trauma. Okay. This mm-hmm. is this is the specific yeah. trauma. Oh. And this and like telling people your trauma can help them understand you and I don't think that everyone should like wear their trauma out to everyone to see and poke at, but I think it does help Lucy so much to understand Mrs. Chen and understand what's happening here. So she was, her daughter died of cold in her arms, thus her obsession with keeping Lin warm and dry. Mm -hmm. Her daughter died, therefore she's so traumatized by a daughter. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she tell like she talks about, you know, I've lost my daughter and now I'm going to lose Lin too. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we mostly, with the... Chen's the rest of other than that little story mostly the rest of what we see in the episode is them like watching (laughs) Lin checking to see if she's gonna move and eventually she does move Mm -hmm. and Lin is okay and we are happy yes exactly (laughs) and then everything is happy for them and they get they they end okay we we hear pretty early the like uh stakes that we are waiting for that like if Lynn wakes up she's going to be okay. Yeah, exactly. She's either going to wake up and be fine or not wake up at all. It's yeah. like what we're told. So we're watching to see if she moves and then when she does we the in the in the realm of fiction as soon as she moves we know she's fine. Yeah, exactly. And so she is fine. Everything is okay. The problem with the water what well, the problem with the uh uh carbon monoxide was not a leak it was just that the heater was installed badly yeah and like and that's just a kind of a throwaway thing is oh all these places should be torn down and that's kind of similar to the maternity home is like poplar needs to just be like tear it down and start over and that's not going to happen and shouldn't happen either but it is their real consequences for the people living there of a place that is breaking down and maybe we don't need to make too much of it but i'm glad you just connected that to the maternity home Mm -hmm. because like this is someone's home that they live in that matters to them but also like they need a better home and uh, like apartment buildings are being built and like the maternity home is a great place but like hospitals are being built like it's the same yeah thing um so sister ursula is yeah, 
finally it gets to her when there's a baby dying because of her 20 minute thing and her coldness and all this stuff and Phyllis says to Sister Ursula 20 minutes may be enough time in the hospital where all we see is the patient's symptoms but in district practice we must take in the bigger picture Mm -hmm. it was not enough time for Lucy and Lynn Chen and Sister Ursula seems to actually hear that. Yes, for the first time. And she apologizes to Barbara, and then she misses tea because she's on a regimen of prayer and fasting. Mm-hmm. She, Sister Monica Jones, uh, um, Sister Julienne, goes to pray with her. Uh, and despite Sister Ursula being the one in charge, Sister Julienne is still the spiritual leader. Uh, of course. And so she supports Sister Ursula and prays with her and tells her that God still hears her. Uh, Sister Ursula says, I told myself I was making a gift of myself, but it was vanity, pure and simple. And she ends by saying, like, to Sister Julianne, this is your mission, I should never have usurped it, and I'm leaving. And like, darn right you shouldn't. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I didn't realize... Until now, this whole thing was Sister Ursula all along? Like, she wasn't instructed to come? She just decided? Yeah, apparently? that feels... I mean, I guess she can ask to go back or something, like, behind the scenes that we're not seeing. But it's a bit, like, yeah. Clearly, like, the mother house was involved in this whole situation. Yeah. It isn't just Sister Ursula. It isn't just Sister Julianne. Something was happening here. But we suppose... I can suppose that behind the scenes, Sister Ursula called the Mother House and was like, I can't be here. I'm not doing a good job. Sister Julianne needs to be in charge. And they were like, okay, come back home, you know. There's some, like, in terms of, like, management, Sister Ursula has some kind of authority that Sister Julianne doesn't have, but is a terrible manager. And it makes me be like, the Mother House is also sucky. Uh... (laughs) The Mother House is badly managed yeah. if they let Sister Ursula just, like, worm her way in for no reason just because she feels like it. Like, we talked about it two episodes ago that, like, what are they thinking? Mm-hmm. And uh, the answer that we seem to get in this episode is Sister Ursula is allowed to do whatever she wants. Yeah, exactly. That makes no sense. Yeah. Um, but hey, she's gone now. Yay! But hey, she's gone. <laughs> While we wrap up Sister Ursula's story to, like... Everyone is kind to her on her way out. Uh, Monica Joan gives her an iced bun, saying... (laughs) It's a huge sacrifice. There's a vanity to excess penance. You Mm -hmm. need sustenance. And it's like a gentle chastisement that excess penance is is vanity, but it also is like, you need sustenance. Here, take a treat and go with a blessing. Despite you being never anything but mean to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, Phyllis drives her to the train station. And like, I won't hear no. Everyone is kind to her on her way out. We end her story much more kindly inclined to her uh, than we were. But we end her story with... Like, the coda to her story is Trixie talking to sister julianne about mary cynthia at the mother house yeah this is the part that i do not forgive sister ursula for yes exactly her like management her uh, obsession with um efficiency at nana's house was well-intentioned but misjudged her bullying of mary cynthia is was abusive yeah exactly there's no think... good intentions that remotely justify how she treated Sister Mary Cynthia. And I'm no, furious. And no amount of, like, understanding someone's backstory that redeems her in the end. Like, a lot of the show, you'll hear, like, like Phyllis starts off so harsh and then we yeah. come to love her. And, like, we hear, hear her backstory and come to love her even more. And same with, like, Trixie is all flighty. And then you find out, like, all of her story with like having to deal with her father her drunk father and you hear patsy and being in a prisoner of war camp and all these things that round out a person and sister ursula doesn't get enough of that to redeem her 
I agree with you completely that like I don't forgive her for what the trauma she caused at Renata's house because it's it's long lasting. It's she does not get fully redeemed and maybe that's okay that not every character does. Yeah. I feel like they give us enough that I would have forgiven her for like without Sister Mary Cynthia's story. I would have forgiven her. Yeah. For, like, obsessed with efficiency because she's, like, afraid for all of their well-being and she doesn't know how to express it uh, and she's distracted by vanity. She thinks she's learned from her past experiences, but she learned the wrong lesson. Mm -hmm. She does real harm but with good intentions and she when she recognizes it, she removes herself. Like, all of that, like doesn't make me love her but i'm like okay i can forgive her for all the efficiency talk but her her uh, treatment of sister mary cynthia is not justifiable and is has nothing to do with efficiency there's yeah. everything to do with vanity and power and spiritual abuse and then this is where too the like the mother house uh sent sister ursula the mother house doesn't take care of Mary Cynthia, if Sarah, Mary Cynthia isn't there. Yeah, exactly. They're not doing, they have a duty of care to her that they are not fulfilling. Mm-hmm. And so I don't forgive Sister Ursula, and I'm also, like, extremely side-eye at the Mother House at this point. Which we always kind of were on this show. I know, like, right? it's never been the best place to go. Anytime the Mother House pops up, we're never like, yay! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, let's keep Sister Monica Joan at Nanatus because she does not need to go off to the Mother House to to die or whatever, you know? Like, yeah. she needs to stay at Nanatus. Um, Speaking of... Sister Monica Joan, do we want to... <laughs> yeah, let's let's talk about her. All through the episode, you mentioned it in the recaps, but we haven't yeah. talked about it together, that she keeps disappearing. I'm Going like, along who walks. knows why? And I feel like, oh, if we are... Like, we gotta be pretty slow in the audience not to know why, but the characters don't know why. <laughs> that, like, she disappears at the same time of day every day ever since the TV disappeared. <laughs> exactly. So she is going to... You said the pub, but it's the uh, Seaman's Mission. Oh, the mission, yes. Uh, and they put a bench outside the window for her. <laughs> she doesn't come in. She can't come in, no. <laughs> but she sits outside and watches through the window, uh... With and uh, when Sister Julianne catches her, she just sits and watches well, see, with her. That's where I was like, I, in this moment, Sister Julianne is not the head of Nanata's house, and yeah. so when she finds Sister Monica Jones, she doesn't have to drag her back home. She can just be like, "Well, I guess we'll watch this together." <laughs> and maybe she would do that if she was in charge, but I feel like there's a little bit more. Like she can do this because she's not officially in charge and so they just sit together and watch tv through the window this isn't the first time sister monica joan has been watching tv through a window uh she used to watch the like puppet shows through the shop window before they got a tv Mm -hmm. and now she's reduced to watching uh (laughs) through a window again the show that she's watching is steptoe and son Mm -hmm. which is a popular english sitcom in the 70s it was remade as Sanford and Son. Oh, in, in America. The America. I didn't know that was based on a British show. So, uh, the premise, I haven't seen either of those shows, but the premise is the, like, father is a junkyard, uh, uh, lower class junkyard manager who's, like, crude, and his son has aspirations of, uh, class mobility, and he, he, the comedy usually comes from the son's, uh, pretensions being punctured in every episode yeah that sounds about right so but so i don't know if there's any deeper thing to that to like sister ursula's pretensions being punctured Uh, i don't think so i think it's just a tv show (laughs) that happened to be on (laughs) that is is so funny uh i i'm gonna assume that the tv comes back Next time, because you can't have Sister Monica Joan wandering the streets at night watching the TV. Um, is there anything else to discuss in this episode? I feel like that's the end. I mean, there are things we could say more about, but I think we've covered everything well. What Good your... riddance to Sister Ursula. Say that again, cleanly. Good riddance to Sister Ursula, though. <laughs> 
Indeed. Is that your favorite bit? When Sister Ursula leaves forever? No. What's your favorite part? <laughs> I don't know. Am I going to go... Always the question. Am I going to go soppy or funny? I think my favorite part it was uh, Phyllis shaking her head behind... <laughs> Sister Ursula's back. That was really funny. And it also, like, speaks to the relationships and everything. But also it was just like, maybe you should come along. No, 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 no. (laughs) How about you? What was your favorite part? Oh, I'm going to have to go for the emotional. I like when Mrs. Chen finally shares her story and the bonding between her and Lucy. I think that is high up. I Yeah, I just really enjoy the whole Chen storyline in this episode. It's... uh, emotional and evocative and the relationships are just feel so true to life to me i don't know what it is about them but i'll say yeah i said the shaking the head is my favorite part but i will absolutely agree one of the best things about the episode maybe the best thing about the episode is just the relationship between lucy and mrs chen and how you said it nuanced it is Mm -hmm. It feel it does feel like a real relationship between people who, like, don't always get along but do love each other. Exactly, exactly. Which is tricky with a mother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> because you didn't grow up with them. They're not like your mother. Yeah. So you have to choose to love them in a different way. So if you have enjoyed this episode of Call the Midwife or this episode of Popular Opinion or both or didn't enjoy it, <laughs> Or you know, it. if you have thoughts, if you want to tell us your favorite part, you can contact us. And how would they do that, Jan? Um, you can find us on Discord. The link will be in the show notes. You can email us, poplar at clockworksacademy.com. We are on Twitter for as long as Twitter exists, uh, at Poplar Opinion. We, are, uh, we also have a place you can support us patreon.com slash clockworkscast where you can chip in just a little bit of money to help us live and help us make podcasts. Or uh, a lot of money. That's allowed yeah, too. Yeah, that, that is allowed too, but I don't want to overstep. It's Christmas <laughs> It's Christmas time here and all that stuff. Um, thank you for listening. Anything else we need to tell them about? Uh, no. I have been Dr. Paul Moffat. And I've been Jan Moffat. And that's just my popular opinion. They get mad at each other, then they move on and forgive each other, which is like, it's just very married life. <laughs> so, um... Stop squeaking the chair, please. <laughs> so... <laughs> a little bit of married life in there for ya. <laughs> we should leave that in. <laughs> 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 <laughs>